Greetings in the name of Jesus. And this is a special day as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am so delighted to share with you a story that happened exactly on the resurrection day, but late in the evening. So if you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 33. Luke chapter 24, 13 to 33. And is entitled as the road to Emos. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emos, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But what is more? It is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and uh, began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now we know the background that what had happened, the chief priests and the Pharisees were determined to that Jesus was going to stay in the grave after he was crucified on so-called Good Friday and they used every resource and every power and every influence uh, to ensure that Jesus was firmly secured in that particular tomb. 
and they ensured that by blocking the entrance with a huge stone that was rolled in place. Secondly, they sealed this stone with a Roman seal which cannot be tampered with. And thirdly, they appointed by requesting Pilate a special security guards and these were not any ordinary security guards. They were the elite custodia of the Roman, Roman army's special forces. So there was a special contingent of a elite force that was there. All these three things to ensure that Jesus had died and his body could not be stolen. But on Easter day, Jesus rose again from the dead. The stone was rolled away. Jesus defeated sin and sickness and Satan and death. This is the greatest story, unequaled in all history. No religious leader of any faith can claim this particular outstanding miracle, the power of resurrection. And resurrection sets apart Jesus among all the leaders in the world. On that Easter Sunday morning, this event took place. And you know that uh, various women had gone and then Peter and John had gone and so on and so forth to visit that particular site. And the stone was rolled away and the grave was empty. On that Easter Sunday evening, two of the disciples whose story we just read were heading back home from Jerusalem. They were going towards a place uh, called Emos which was about 7 miles away. That is about 11-12 kilometers. We are told the name of one man was Cleopas and we don't know who was with him. But because he was going home, probably it was his wife. Some say it was his wife and her name was Deborah. That is, church history says that. But some say no, it was his friend, a colleague of his. And often paintings and pictures that we see show two men instead of a man and a woman. Either case does not matter. Two people, one of them being Cleopas, were going towards Emos. Luke 24, 13 says, And behold, two of them that went that same day to a village called Emos, which was from Jerusalem, about seven miles. And the couple talked together. Talked together what was bothering them. They had so much to talk about. They must have spoken about the treachery of Judas and then his suicide, the plots and the guilt of the Sanhedrin and then the weakness of Herod and Pilate, the terrible crime on Calvary and today rumors of Christ's resurrection and the solid fact of the empty tomb. It was evident from their tearful faces, their drooped shoulders and the tone of their voice that something was wrong. And these two travelers were probably only too glad to have a stranger to talk to them and perhaps they could pour out what was uppermost in their heart and maybe even have a shoulder to cry upon. And so, this is the background. And let's see what we can extract out of this. Number one, Jesus took initiative to walk with them. Jesus took initiative to walk with them. Says Luke 24, 15, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. What a fantastic thing. Jesus takes initiative to come alongside his discouraged disciples. Come alongside those who are 
troubled and doubting. They were sad and there were different words used to describe their state. Their faces are called to be downcast. They had hoped for deliverance and victory, but their master was crucified. They were disappointed. Hopes had shattered. Indeed, they had sad hearts. And these disciples were expecting Jesus to be the one who was going to redeem Israel. And they promised Davidic Messiah is widely anticipated to redeem Israel politically from her enemies and to set up the kingdom of God afresh. While we may think Christ's work was spiritual redemption from sin brought about by the means of the cross, Cleopas and his friend are thinking of a military or a political or a physical redemption setting Israel free from the Roman occupation. And alas, this kind of redemption is impossible since their master, so-called Messiah, Jesus, is now dead. This is why they are so downcast. The word had hoped tells us that their hope were dashed. Jesus had been crucified. Our Lord assured his disciples that though he must leave them, now while he was teaching them many years, uh, many months and years before, he said though he must leave them, he would not leave them comfortless or without enablement, without power. He promised them that he would come to them through the ministry and work of the Holy Spirit for fellowship, for guidance, for comfort and strength. He also promised that by abiding in him, they would experience his life to become fruitful disciples, men with a mission and purpose in life. Yet, after his death, we find the disciples sad and gloomy, fearful, perplexed, scattered, defeated, running in retreat with no sense of mission or purpose. They were men in desperate need of Savior's touch. They needed his comfort and his direction. And they also failed to recognize him. In other words, when they are so gloomy, their hearts had become blind. They were blinded in every way. And in this particular case, people may have been blinded because of prejudice, perhaps prejudice against women. These disciples did not believe the report the women had given. If they had heard Mary, she not only spoke of the visions of angels, she said, I met Jesus. And they discarded it. Their prejudice did not want to believe. The women hallucinate, women imagine, women, women are intuitive. They, they, they didn't mean that. So their prejudiced hearts had caused some blindness. Perhaps they had only partial information. They must have heard second-hand, third-hand report. And probably, you know, that partial information is often distorted. And that could be another reason why they were blinded in their hearts. And thirdly, they may have relied on popular opinion. Sometimes we rely more on news media, social media, politics, science, environment. They would have said, we ourselves saw him crucified. There's no way he can rise again. He is finished with. And so all this caused them to be gloomy, caused them to be blinded. And before I go to the next point, I ask a question. Sometimes we face a tragedy in life. Maybe a death of a loved one. Maybe a death of a baby, maybe a miscarriage, maybe a great financial 
reversal, maybe disappointment and betrayal. Aren't we sometimes also blinded in our hearts and we become downcast, sad, gloomy, depressed? Doesn't that happen? Take courage, my friend. Jesus himself took the initiative to come to them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Our Lord is a merciful God. He could have rebuked them. Have I not been telling you all this time? You hard-hearted. You could have rebuked. No. He understood. <coughs> he understood their plight. And he himself drew near to them. Such a kind, merciful, gracious God. Hallelujah. And this, and today also, let us understand, no matter what our situation, Jesus himself will come alongside you. Listen more as we go further. Secondly, Jesus not only came alongside to walk with them, but Jesus took initiative to talk to them. He took initiative to talk to them. Luke 24 that we read, verse 17, 25, 27, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And then you go to verse 25 says, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken to you. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus took interest in their conversation. He said, you are slow in your heart. You are slow learners. And I think it's true of me. It's true of many people. We are slow to learn. Our, some people say, the tube light has not gone on. We may hear the best of things, but sometimes it doesn't click in our particular heart. He rebuked them. How foolish they were and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Not only what Jesus has spoken, but all that the prophets in the Old Testament had spoken. And he took time to explain right from Moses, right from the times of Moses throughout the whole scriptures. I recall many years ago, as I was looking after a church called the Bombay Baptist Church, we discovered we had an opening with employees of Reserve Bank of India. During their lunch break, they were willing to come out and attend a Bible study. We found a church building nearby to Reserve Bank of India and we conducted the Bible study there. But then the pastor changed on that particular church building and he asked us to leave. We found a bookshop, we went there, then the bookshop closed down, so we had to leave again. Where can we meet? We tried to meet in a garden, but you cannot meet in the middle of the day in the garden. It is extremely hot, lunch hour, one o'clock in the afternoon, and sometimes it rains and you can't meet in the rainy season. Fortunately, our school had a, our church had a school and the school had a school bus and that was free in the afternoon. So we used to drive that school bus next to the Reserve Bank of India, park it there. The Reserve Bank of India employees would come near Hornimon Circle and we would have a, some time of worship, some time of prayer and then a Bible study and then the Reserve Bank employees would go back home. We called it Bible study on wheels. And uh, if I will look at this passage, it is a Bible study on foot. Even as they are walking on the road, Jesus is giving them a Bible study right from the times of Moses right until, uh, until his time. And so you can find a fantastic Bible study. Jesus, the best 
wonderful counselor, the best teacher of all the teachers, giving us a Bible study, how you and I can wish we were there as a part of this particular uh, Bible study. It would have been fantastic to listen to what he had to say. And, uh, and the problem with the Jews was that though they may have heard the prophet, they would have believed in a conquering redeemer. They may have problem with a suffering servant. And that is the issue. They cannot comprehend the fact that he was crucified on the cross because somehow in the back of the mind, anybody who was cursed, he was crucified on the cross. And how can their Messiah be cursed? They could not comprehend. They could not tie the two loose ends together. And they could, they could see the crown, but they cannot see the cross. And uh, many people like the Bible promises but don't like the conditions that are required to fulfill those promises. And so they underline certain verses, but omit certain verses. And uh, somebody has made a, a joke out of it. He said, all the underlined verses from the four Gospels, if you took them out, it will be called the Gospel according to Saint Evangelicals. In other words, those only like to believe the good side of things, but not the price, not the sacrifice, not the carrying of the cross and so on and so forth. They don't like any conditions attached. But the Bible is a whole package and we need to listen to the whole thing together. And so we need to follow that. You recall Paul is saying to the, Philippi, to the, to the church at Philippi, uh, uh, he says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Often this word is underlined. We claim it, Lord, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches in, 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 in according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But Paul is saying to the Philippian church, church at Philippi, brethren, you have been so kind, so generous, so thoughtful that you have supported me and going, you are going on supporting me. And because you are very generous and kind and supporting, so to you, I say, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glorious. Now, we are not generous. We are not kind. We are not helping. But we want a promise. No, 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 no. That promise is only when you are kind and generous. The previous three chapters are essential in order to read this chapter of claiming that particular verse. And so on and so forth. There are so many Bible words. Jesus could have told his disciples, starting from Moses itself, and the prophets, when you say on the prophets, you could start from Adam and you think of Genesis 3.15. When Adam and Eve sinned as they were, you know, seduced or deceived by the serpent, this is what uh, God said to them. I will put enmity between the serpent and the woman and between the serpent's offspring and the woman's offering. And the serpent's offering will strike the heel of the woman's offering, but the woman's offering will crush the head of the serpent's offering. In other words, you, there is very clearly saying that there is going to be uh, the serpent or the devil or the demonic forces that will strike the heel of the Son of God. He is going to bruise him. But listen, the Son of God will bruise, the crush the head of the serpent. In other words, Satan will be demolished completely by Jesus. That is the first gospel is mentioned in Genesis 3. But there is a striking of the 
the hand and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is mentioned there. So one must combine the suffering and the victory. Uh, the, the, there is a crown, but there is a cross that goes with it. Adam and Eve were naked and to clothe their nakedness, Bible says God clothed them with skins of animal. That means some animal had to die. Without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or remission of sin. And therefore, somebody's blood had to be shed. And therefore, Jesus had to die on the cross. Abraham offered Isaac, was about to offer Isaac when God stopped him. And then a substitute was provided of a ram caught in the thickets of the bushes. And so <clears throat> Isaac was set free and the ram was offered. And here you had the lamp of God as a substitute. <clears throat> but he had to be offered and he had to die in order for us to see Isaac being set free. That me, you and I <clears throat> being also being set free. At the time of the Passover, a lamp was offered and the blood was offered, uh, put up on the doorpost, on the lentils, etc. And therefore, again, some animal is sacrificed without shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. Later on, Moses, uh, as they walked in the wilderness, they came to a place called Mara, which had a beautiful lake. They were running low on water. But when they went to drink that water, the water was very bitter. And everybody cried and murmured and complained. But Moses prayed and God showed him a branch of a tree. He said, throw this branch into the water. He did that and that bitter water became sweet. Bitterness was sucked away by those branches and the branches released sweetness and the bitter water became sweet. In other words, those branches, the same word that is used as branches or wood is the same word for the cross. In the New Testament. <clears throat> in other words, this was a, a type illustration that how this particular cross sucks away all the bitterness of our life, all the and, and releases sweetness in our life. That is what exactly has been done. But it requires a cross. There is going to be suffering to something. As they went ahead, they were fell short of water again, and Moses struck a rock, and from the rock came forth water, not from the soil, not from the sand but from the rock and that rock is Jesus Christ we are told in the New Testament and from them came the water of life but the rock had to be struck and manna came from heaven and Jesus is the bread of life. There is a bronze altar at the tabernacle where a sacrifice has to be offered that makes atonement for our sin, for the forgiveness of our sin and then when they sinned and they were complaining and murmuring and sinned against God then, then they, they were being bitten by snakes by which many people are dying. And they cried unto Moses and God told Moses to make a bronze serpent, a brass serpent and put it up on a cross. And a brass serpent was put on the cross and instruction was given. If you look at this cross and the brass serpent and you keep on looking, you will be healed. And people who believed that kept on looking and they were healed. And just as the brass serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so also the Son of God had to be lifted up on the cross that all those who behold Him will and believe in Him will be able to find new life. We have Isaiah 53. Jesus must have told them about the suffering servant. Remember, as I said, they would have struggled with the suffering part and He would have told them the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. And all the prophetic messages messages of <clears throat> what is known as the messianic psalms 
Psalm 22, Psalm 69, where exact dialogues with Jesus uttered on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, are all quoted in Psalm 22, as if they are eyewitnesses of what happened on the cross with Jesus. And so Jesus would have said, almost every book of the Old Testament speaks something about him. That would have been a fabulous Bible study. And therefore you're saying, oh, why did you not know your Bible well? Why didn't you follow that I was telling you all this time when I was with you? And so he must have rebuked that. There is a thing, theologians call it Christophany. Christophany means the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. And there are galore appearances of Jesus in the Old Testament. And there is also, a, the theologians call it typology. That means there are types and patterns and images and illustrations and shadows of Jesus in the New Testament being shown to us in the Old Testament. And therefore, this must have been a fantastic Bible study of the Christophanies and the typology of the Old Testament. And as they were hearing, their hearts were becoming warm and on fire because they said, aha, uh -huh, why didn't we see it altogether? And so we saw the first two points. Jesus took initiative to walk with them and Jesus took initiative to talk to them and give them a fantastic Bible study. Jesus will even now explain to us if we are slow learners and are not able to understand. He is willing to be patient with us and explain to us. Sometimes it takes time for our thick heads to understand, but he is willing to be patient with us. And then they came to a place where the, the house of Cleopas came and Jesus uh, almost acted as if he wanted to go ahead. But they were so delighted with his company. Their sagging heart, depressed heart were all taken care of. It was lifted up. They had a fantastic Bible study. Their heart had been strangely warmed. They got excited and they said, didn't want to let go of this company. Said, why don't you stay with us? Please, please, please. And they insisted. So third point is they took initiative to ask Jesus to stay with them. 28 and 29, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus never imposes himself. He wants to be invited. He takes initiative to meet us, talk to us, walk with us. But beyond that, he wants to know, do we have that desire for him? And he could have almost passed by. They could have almost missed him. But they urged him strongly. Thank God they urged him strongly. And that verb I'm told in the Greek language basically means they almost forced him. It, it has a sense of violence in it. Almost, you know, almost caught hold of him. No, 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 you have to stay with us. And they, in a figurative sense, urging strongly, prevailing upon. And so Jesus agrees. Jesus is so delighted that he's being invited. You may recall in the stories gone by, blind man Bartimaeus, when he heard, though he was blind, he had heard that Jesus was passing by. He shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him said, shh, quiet, quiet. What did he do? He shouted all the more loudly about the shh. He shouted all, oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, that was that strong urge. Don't pass me by. 
please would you meet with me the father of the demonized son he said to jesus if you can do anything please do something for my son and jesus says what do you mean you can do anything i can do everything but all things are possible to them that believe and the bible says the man just hit the floor knelt down caught hold of jesus and said i believe but help my unbelief help me where i am falling short i believe you can do it and therefore there is that desperate cry where is holding laying hold of jesus the syro phoenician woman whose daughter was demonized she came to jesus jesus ignored her jesus was silent jesus looked the other way but she never let go of she persevered and persevered and persevered and jesus said i have not seen such faith in whole of israel and he granted a request and her daughter was set free delivered that very hour the, there was a widow jesus says who kept on pestering a judge until the judge got exhausted and then he took up her case and granted her justice in other words we pray and we request and we plead with god do we have a real hunger and thirst jesus will draw near jesus will talk to us but beyond a point he wants to see are we hungry and thirsty for god a heart will get strangely warmed up when he hear him speak but a spiritual appetite must be built up and then we want more blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be filled they shall be filled up to a point jesus takes initiative but beyond that he wants you and me to ask him request him plead with him to come jesus almost passed by abraham's house but abraham insisted and invited him and gave him hospitality and he was blessed next year this time you will have a son and he did have an isaac at the age of 100 the angels almost passed by lot's house but he lot insisted and so lot and his family were delivered from the disaster that struck the city of sodom and gomorrah jesus almost passed by the home of a man called manoah but they requested him to wait till they brought an offering and then as they gave the offering the lord blessed them and they had a son whose name was samson and so they were blessed with a miracle baby <clears throat> in other words he comes very close sometimes he knocks on your door but we got to open the door and if you open the door he will come in and sup with us and we with him but he needs to be wanted to be asked and therefore that hunger and thirst should be there there was a guy in the old testament called esau he had no hunger and thirst for the things of god and one day he was hungry for food and he traded his birthright something spiritual something very 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 important super important he traded that super important thing his spiritual birthright and he gave it away for a pottage of stew and somebody who exchanges his super important a birthright for a pottage of stew is nothing but stupid why would you do that but that reveals that when we are facing some situation some people trade their spiritual uh, inheritance for a pottage of meal so sad would be to god that you and i will have our hunger and thirst for the things of god i pray that our hearts will not be cluttered with many other things that we will not be occupied with career and with promotion and with housing and emi 
and so-called children's education that we trade our spiritual inheritance for the sake of these kind of things. And that would be very tragic. We would be no different from Esau. Some of us are so busy and then we realize that we don't have time for the things of God. We are so engrossed in something. Sometimes we are not sensitive to the things of God and we could be in real trouble. We got to be careful. And so uh, these people, however, had an eager heart, a learning heart. And because they had an eager heart and a learning heart, as Jesus broke bread with them, uh, suddenly their eyes were opened and therefore they had a seeing heart and they recognized Jesus. And therefore, if you're hungry and thirsty, suddenly you will have revelation. Your eyes will open up and this revelation over revelation over revelation will keep coming into your life and they said were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us the word for burning in this passage means to be set on fire with passion he is the igniter of our hearts today if your heart is ground cold dull then maybe you need a revelation of Jesus. You need a vision of Jesus. Please draw near to him. Please request him to say, Lord, I want you. I want to see you. I want to meet with you. Don't pass me by. I'm not giving up until I meet with you. And surely when you do that, it will make a world of a difference in your life. So let me conclude. Jesus took initiative to walk with them and talk with them. But they took initiative requesting Jesus to stay with them. They were a people initially with a sad heart, a blind heart and a slow heart. But their time with Jesus created an eagerness. Then they had an eager heart and then they had a seeing heart and they had a passionate heart and they had a rejoicing heart because it was filled with passion, filled with the glory of God in their heart. And therefore, the, this is the key. If your heart is sad today, if you are confused and blind, not knowing where you're going, what you're going through, and you feel you're slow in understanding, slow in understanding, especially spiritual things, difficulty in understanding the Bible, difficulty in believing, but you are eager, then Jesus is passing by. Ask him, call upon him, strongly urge him to stay with you, grab him, lay hold of him. It all depends on how eager you are. If you do, then you can be sure that your heart too would be turned into a seeing heart, a passionate heart and rejoicing heart. You will experience the Easter into your heart. The power of his resurrection, the power of his resurrection will quicken your mortal bodies and you will live a different level of life. Their contact with Jesus and their conversation with Jesus led to their communion with Jesus. May you have a genuine communion with Jesus. Jesus is passing by today and he waits for you to invite him. He has done everything for you. Why not invite him to first and foremost forgive you of your sin and give you a brand new start in your life. You must be born again. And secondly, if your heart is sad, blind, slow, discouraged, then invite Jesus and he can turn your heart into a seeing heart a passionate heart and a rejoicing heart. Amen. May God bless you 
on this day of resurrection and may you experience the power of his resurrection in your heart in Jesus name amen